All right, so really appreciate you taking a look at our uh, conversations. Today we have on Matt Bernstein, who has experience as a top recruiting personnel in the Division I Power Five football at the Power Five football level. Coach Bernstein has been at Miami, he's been at UCLA, and he can give you a little bit more insight into your background. The biggest objective of this conversation is to try to give some insight as to the realities of the recruiting process, especially at the Division I levels, and all the components that go into that. So Matt, thanks for uh, getting on with us, and if you could just go into a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, Coach Kavarski, thanks for having me here. Um, a little bit about myself is I started at the University of Miami. I worked with tight ends and special teams. Um, eventually found my way onto the recruiting side, ended up at UCLA where I served as the director of player personnel. I was fortunate enough to be there for eight years, signed some of the best classes in school history. Um, several of those guys went on to get their degrees and also make it to the NFL's first round draft picks. Um, so I've evaluated tens of thousands of players over the years and have gained an insight on what is what we're looking for, the flow, the process of what the recruiting cycle looks like. Thanks. That's some really great insight. And being able to see so many players, you kind of get an idea of how much talent there is throughout the country and how hard it is to truly play and succeed at the Division I level. I think when teams are looking to identify players, for their program, they're, they're, there are so many variables that are taken into consideration other than just that of the sport itself and their athletic ability. So can you go into a little bit of the assessment protocols that are used to even get a kid on the map? How, how do they appear on the map? How do you find them? Are they sending their tape to you? Are you looking for them? Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, and I think the first thing that we need to go over is exposure and getting your name on the map itself. Um, you got to treat yourself like you're a company and you're marketing yourself, unfortunately. Um, very few people could get by on just their plate, speaking on film and getting recognized. There's, you know, about probably 15 to 20%. So you got to engage and get out there. You have to call up schools, have your head coach reach out, go to camps, go to the institutional camps as well. Make sure you're doing all that. If you are on seven-on-seven, on seven, there's a lot of talk if seven-on-seven is a good thing or a bad thing. I look at it as neither. Um, just know your results on seven-on-seven on seven don't determine a scholarship per se, but it does get our attention at times. So making sure you're engaging, having lists, sending videos, making life easy for the evaluation process. I can't tell you how many times a kid will send that if they're interested in playing. I got no video links to them. I have no transcripts on file, no contact information. Make it easier for the coaches. You know, you're one of thousands a day on email. So um, that would be my first suggestion. Um, going through the evaluation process, we're constantly digging up new names, researching, checking local papers, online uh, like Arrivals or 24-7 Sport. We're constantly using all those as well as other services. Um, but there's a flow chart. At UCLA, we were a high academic school. First thing I needed to know is what do your grades look like? Um, I'll tell you guys right now, we take away the gym classes, the electives, the arts and all that. We're looking at your core GPA. If any of you have questions on that later, I'm more than happy to uh, work with Coach Kabarski and get that information to you. 
if you don't have your core GPA in line with our academic standards, you're off the board, plain and simple. Like we can't get you in. From there, we do character reference checks and we're gonna call everybody that we can on your ability. So I'm talking about, we're gonna to talk to your high school coach, your guidance counselor. Maybe we've been to your school a couple of times and know a local janitor in the area who might've had an interaction with you. We're gonna keep digging all the time. And we're gonna make sure you're a good person off the field and on the field. When we're talking to your head coach, we're looking for leadership, accountability. We don't wanna be babysitters, we wanna coach you. So if we find that you're high maintenance or you don't follow through on directions, or you're not accountable to your teammates, that's gonna be a huge detriment in the evaluation process. From there, we make sure the film is kind of going along the lines of what we're looking for. We wanna see constant productivity. I mean, a highlight tape is great, we love it, but that's just an intro to gain our attention. We're gonna see how you are at your best when you're facing competition that's tough, when you're injured, when you're struggling, all these things play into the evaluation process. From there, you know, it really comes down to getting to know you better, being engaged, and starting that process. We look at something called position parameters. And when we bring you in, you might notice a coach tapping you on the shoulder. Maybe they ask to measure a few uh, things like your arm length. Maybe it's your height, your weight. We scientifically know that if you're an offensive lineman and you're five foot nine and you're going D1, you have 0% chance of starting. So there's certain scientific formulas that we put into place to kind of aid the evaluation process. And identifying that is going to be huge in understanding what school is right for you. Absolutely. And I think one of the key things to focus on as well is, are you a good fit for that specific scheme, for that particular sport, for that particular coach on that particular side of the ball, whether it be offense or defense, those are all going to play into how you get recruited, how you get evaluated. And I think you go and make a really good point when it comes to the quantitative data. You could say on paper that you're 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but if the reality is when you're brought in to this Division One college that you're 5'6", or 5'7", and you're 4'6", 40 is really a 5'1", the perspective is totally going to be different, and some recruiters might not be very happy with that. So the best way to kind of get that information is to make sure that you have a great baseline, great measurements during the high school training process, and you're taking accurate data and providing it to these coaches. 100% uh, agree with that. Any information that a recruit gives us, we don't know who you are as a person. We don't know your background. Like we're starting this off brand new. So therefore we don't really believe in anything you say on the piece of paper. So we're going to go ahead and do our research as well. Um, we'll bring you in and we're going to make sure those measurements are right. If they're far off, we're usually not happy about that. So there's no way of scamming the system, cheating the system. We're going to do our due diligence. That's one of the things I want to stress to you guys. I think there were so many times that people came in with inaccurate information or the amount of emails that I got where people just randomly send either their highlight tape or just their stats. Like it would be a new thing every day in, in, in the inbox. And that's not, I can't imagine that that ever got somebody recruited. I mean, you have to have sufficient, sufficient tape that's going to show when you're doing a great job, not only during good times, but also during bad times. And then how do you react to that? Or what are you doing when you're not getting the ball as a receiver? Are you still going to block on the other end? Is that going to be helpful to you? 
you know, your attitude and effort are going to determine so much. And it's not just when things are going well. So that plays yeah. into the character a ton. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we create is what we call touch tape. And basically all I'm doing is every time someone's in the game is one of our interns or our video staff, they're just marking it on film every time that they've been in the game. And we'll look through and we'll say, take out all the plays where they were targeted on the play. And we only want to look at plays where you weren't targeted. Were you running? Were you hustling? Were you blocking? You know, what was your body language like? That's all things we're looking at because we could use enough video. There's about 80 snaps on the offensive side of the game. There's going to be opportunities to make a highlight tape, but that's not going to tell you the full story. We want the full story. So every single play that's on a camera counts. Great stuff. So basically to recap, there's going to be really quantitative measurements that are going to be looked at. And that's not only going to be from the information that you provide, it's going to be from the information that is received through camps that, are, that the football coaches know are providing accurate data. In addition, your grades, depending on the school, are going to be really valuable. For example, at a UCLA, if you don't have the grades, you're just not going to be able to get into the school, so they're not going to waste their time. There are so many people out there who are on the bubble in terms of their talent level that it just doesn't make sense to waste time trying to get a kid into school when there's somebody else of comparable talent somewhere in the country, which is so common. Why would you try to spend this extra effort when the other athlete has good grades or great grades? And it's not going to be an issue. Um, and then finally, yeah. I, I think just some of the intangibles, you know, they're going to, character is going to be looked at. Everything is going to be an evaluation, even at the high school level. And if there's some way to contact, uh, you know, a custodian or somebody in the building that sees you on a day-to-day -day basis, that's going to provide a really good insight into what you're actually like, not, you know, what you potentially put on as an act for the recruiter when they come visit, but how, what's, what's your day-to-day -day like? And some of those people who you don't think notice, they notice everything and they might be asked a question as to how you're doing. Uh, that's a very good point right there. So I think right now we understand that's the recruiting process from, from the college's end. So how are we looking at recruits? But from a recruit's perspective, you want to make sure that that college is actually a good fit for you as well. So can you go into a little bit how from the recruiting side, let's say you're being recruited by three or four Division I schools, you have some scholarship offers. What should you be looking for in the program that might or is commonly overlooked when trying to decide what's a good fit for you as the athlete? Yeah, so I would say one of my first years at UCLA, we were recruiting this kid named Wayne Lyons who ended up going to Michigan. No, he ended up going to Stanford and then transferred to Michigan. He did something very unique that I highly recommend to everybody. He had a list of questions that he asked every college and compared and contrasted the answers over time. Now, how thorough you get with that, that's up to you and what's important. But it is important to identify a couple of different areas, especially in football. That's what I'm familiar with. One of them is the campus and the school. Do you feel that you're going to thrive there? Next is the sport that you're going to be playing there. What are the coaches like? Coach Kabarski and I were talking about this earlier. The head coach is the person you interact with the least. Um, it's just the way it is. You need to know your relationship with the off-the-field staff, whether that's academic support, uh, the director of player development, the strength and conditioning coach, your position coach, your coordinator. Stuff changes all the time. Head coaches change everything. 
but you have to go in with the best educated guests and understanding who you're spending the most amount of time with. Um, the next part of it is system. Um, we look at so many people and they pick a school and they like the coach or they like the school. That's great. But are you going to thrive in that system? And I think that's something people uh, overlook all the time. You know, if you're going in and you're a down four, three end used to playing a five or a seven technique, and you go to an Alabama thinking you're going to be a defensive end, well, they're in a 34 front. You know, their average ends are going to be around 290 pounds, and they're going to be holding the point of, point of attack and two gapping. That may not be your style. That may not be what makes you successful. Find a place where you're going to thrive with your skill set. Right, so that's one big thing to take into consideration. I think we kind of alluded to that a little bit, a little bit earlier, but you have to find the right scheme that's going to make you stand out. What about the interactions with specific coaches? So you're going to have a position coach who recruits you. That might, may not be your position coach once you get there to the school. It might, the, the recruiting coach would be different, correct? You can yeah. get recruited by one coach. You can, and I think that's important also, is that you want to get, see what your coach, who you're going to be playing for, is like. Have them teach you. You know, you go up there for a visit, say, Coach, I would love to watch a little ball with you. Um, first off, if they say no, that's an indication right there that they may not be interested in um, recruiting you and that they're just being mm. polite. Um, Second off, you're going to understand how they coach if you guys speak the same language. Everybody coaches slightly different. There's no textbook on it. Um, so that's really important to do. And then most importantly, if you have access to the players, ask them questions. They'll tell the truth. So if you could get a player alone, say, hey, do you like playing for Coach Bernstein? They'll tell you what it is. I think that's very insightful to do. Yeah, absolutely. Doing some of those overnights and taking advantage of the time that you have alone with the players is a really, really great point. You're going to find out if you fit in within that group or within that community real fast. And either it's going to click or it's not going to click. But you can't do that when there are coaches around because that's not going to provide an accurate insight into how everybody acts. Because at, at some point, everybody's going to try to have tendencies to please the coaches when they're in front of them. It's the same thing as if you're around mom and dad. You're always going to be a little more polite, a little bit more respectful, um, you know, give the politically correct answers. And then when the parents are away, you get their real personality, right? It's happened too many times. And what, what one person is in one setting is totally not in another setting. You would like to have it so that everybody's consistent across the board, but that just, that just doesn't happen in, in reality. So you have, to, you have to be asking the questions. And then in some cases, I've seen in my experience that there's a recruiting coach who wants a specific guy but that position coach isn't necessarily interested based on whatever reason whether it's the character of that individual or whether he just doesn't like the body type there are so many different things so I think like you said referencing back and going to the position coach sitting down watching film with them could be a huge help to find out as to whether or not they actually want to recruit you which is going to play a pretty big role in your playing time there and your ability to succeed in that specific system Exactly. So we get past the, the point of I got recruited. I am receptive to the recruiting of this particular school. I want to potentially look further into going to this school. What are some things, I, I guess, from an academic standpoint that you're looking for to make sure it's a good fit 
especially if you're on the bubble as a student. It could be that you, you try to go to a Stanford and for whatever reason you end up getting accepted, but the academic program may put you in a situation where you're extremely stressed out and you can't thrive as a player because you have these other responsibilities. So how do you check in to make sure that that's going to be a good fit? Yeah, and th th that's a very important part of it because I've seen people get stretched too thin because they went to a school that maybe they didn't belong at. Um, so there's a couple of things to do. First off, there's some information such as APR and GSR, which stands for Graduation Success Rate. You want to make sure those numbers are aligned. Um, but then also on top of that, if you could get any sort of, if you're a minority, minority reporting information, you know, what is the percentage of your minority in particular that graduates? That's also going to be a huge indication. Um, that's just kind of the outline stuff. But um, moving on closer to it, you obviously want to know about the team's GPA. But every school has an academic coordinator, an athletic academic department. Um, you want to meet with those counselors. Learn what classes you might be taking your first year. Most schools, you don't declare your major till after your second year. Um, what the mentorship programs are like, the tutoring programs, how do you handle the day-to-day -day schedules? If they don't have a program in place, that means that if you're struggling, they are not prepared to help you, and they're just going to be throwing random stuff at a wall. They better have a good academic program in place that shows that they have protocols and resources dedicated to help you throughout your academic career. I think one other thing to consider is when they tell you that they've done X, Y, and Z, and you, you kind of touched on this, but show, looking at the academic success rate and also just saying, show me, like, how are you helping your players specifically and providing some data as to people who came in and maybe weren't a great student, but you actually progressed them. Because obviously it's not only about playing football or whatever sport you're playing at this particular school. It's actually trying to get a decent education so you can make the most out of it when you're, when you're looking to get a job. Yeah, and that, and that kind of takes us on the player development programs. Uh, there's a lot of changes going on in the NCAA right now with your ability to market yourself and all that. You're going to have so many opportunities, especially if you're playing college athletics um, for a big school. There's donors. There's people that just want to be involved in the process. And I'm not talking about paying you money or anything like that. They want to help you get an internship, a premium internship, and being able to have a school that is able to capitalize on those resources is huge. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of the kids going to Harvard or Yale because they think they'll be set up for life over some pretty good schools out there. Right, and just being part of you know, these Division I programs over the course of time, I mean, the, the network opportunity at the UCLA's, at the Stanford, at Ohio State, all these big schools, if you're lucky enough to get recruited by them, is tremendous. And even at the, at the um, FCS level, you know, there's still going to be a ton of opportunity to network with people who are highly influential that could set you up with success after college. And I think that's one of the areas that uh, athletes don't take advantage of enough. It's, it's a really important part. That's a huge part. So... Academic success is going to be one area. I think another area that needs to be considered where you're going to be spending a lot of your time as an athlete is with the strength and conditioning staff. And as a, previous, as, as a prior strength and conditioning coach, I know that you're with the athletes all the time. It's a daily thing. You're seeing them. 
you're helping them on a regular basis. The interaction is kind of insane how much you're actually involved with them on a, on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute basis. You know, how important have you, have, are those relationships, Coach? And, and can you speak on that a little bit? So I would always do this thing in the beginning of every year, and you might remember. I'd meet with, um, like, the offensive or defensive side of the ball and say, which guys do you think are going to have a breakout year? They'd tell me their names, and they'd write it down. And then later I'd go to the strength and conditioning staff and say, who do you think is going to have a breakout year? They'd write down their names. Strength and conditioning staff was always more accurate than the actual coaching staff. And there's a reason why. Um, one is you spend more time with them than anybody else. Um, they're directly correlated to your athletic performance. I'm not talking about your on-field stats, but getting that 40 number down or becoming more explosive or losing weight, whatever is needed. Um, building that relationship with them is imperative. Um, I'm going to take Colton Miller as an example. Colton Miller came in soaking wet 270 pounds and redshirted. By the end of his time there, he was a great person in the weight room, as I remember. He followed all the protocols, everything needed, and really bought into the program. Ended up being 330 pounds by the time he graduated and was a first-round draft pick, 15th overall. Um, A lot of people had a part to play in his success, whether it be the O-line coach, Adrian Clem, Hank Fraley, um, the recruiting coordinators for identifying him. But the biggest jump was that athletic ability year over year, I believe. And that's credit due to the strength and conditioning staff. And they influence a lot of things behind the scenes. Right. And I think Colton's an example that I use all the time when trying to show the value of body composition, which is pretty much indicative of your overall habits, your behavior on a day-to-day basis. And just seeing that his weight kind of, it gradually went up, but it didn't progress maybe as, as much as some other people. But if you look at his fat-free mass, that was one number that shot through the roof. And you look at that proportion, it was just incredible to see. Obviously, his athletic ability and, and his dedication to the weight room was, was critical. That's the kind of person that uh, we were hopeful to bring in all the time because he, he's somebody who can change your program and obviously was extremely successful at the collegiate level and, and at the NFL level as well. And that's totally uh, you know, attributed to his, his work ethic. Yeah, and I wanted to like dig deeper. A lot of people always talk about numbers in terms of height, weight, how much they squat, how much they bench. One of the things I learned from you guys um, in the weight room in particular was the mechanics of things are so important. Like if you're squatting 700 pounds, like that's great. But if you're barely bending your knees and not using the right form, it's not practical to football. So I don't really care about it anymore. And I think that's one of the things that gets lost through everything is having the proper technique and going ahead and being flexible and more athletic as time goes on. Right. That tends to be the goal of every strength staff is to reduce the risk of injury and improve on field performance. Uh, You know, if you, if you buy in to most strength and conditioning programs, you'll be set up for success, but you also have to make sure it's a good fit. Let's say you really don't like Olympic lifting or something like that. Then, and and, and you're uh, in a powerlifting based model in high school, then it's something to consider. I don't think it's going to be the deciding factor, but it's just something to look at. You want to be able to enhance and improve the physical qualities that uh, you go in with a ton over the course of time. And ideally, you'll be able to present to the, to the sport coaching staff to be a better overall athletic individual, which could potentially, given the proper coaching, 
lead to success on the field and development over time. So, you know, just being able to have the right tools is, is huge. And then when it comes to the, to the sport, that's another component that when combined can be really, really helpful in, in terms of optimizing your success. No doubt about it. So once you're, once you're in school, I guess the, the freshman year of college, what are some of your experiences and what are some recommendations that you would have the month or two leading up to going to school and then within that first year? Because I know there, there are definitely a lot of growing pains. I know some of the player personnel staff was highly involved in making sure that there was a smooth transition. But what can players do to kind of prep themselves to get ready for this huge change? It's not high school. I mean, it's a totally different ball game, and you have to have the maturity of a college-level athlete and, and or what we call uncommon maturity in order to succeed. Yeah, um, and I think that UCLA did a phenomenal job. Uh, one of my colleagues, Pat Girardi, built a whole booklet on what is needed before you come here. So there's so many factors that come into play. Um, first off, I'm going to talk about strength and conditioning. Uh, what we find is a lot of people, their initial instinct is going into colleges, oh, I need to get big, I need to get big. Um, and then what happens is their cardio sucks and they can't even pass the general conditioning test. So making sure that you're keeping up with your cardio is one of them medical records, make sure you're getting them all forwarded to the athletic training staff. These people want to know your medical history so they can help you for future needs. Um, in terms of dorms, um, make sure you have a dorm list, everything you're going to need, check it off. Um, you could even go on Bed Bath & Beyond's website. They have one already for you. Start meeting the players, engaging with them. You're on social media. Find out who your teammates are. Build those relationships so you're not starting off like, with zero friends that you're familiar with. Um, coaches, start asking for plays. Okay, learn the playbook. The last thing you want to do is be going into school, meeting new people, new responsibilities you've never had before, and then trying to learn not only your schoolwork, but your playbook and work out. It's a lot on your plate, so give yourself a head start. Um, last but not least, I would say visit the campus as many times ahead of time as you can. Get familiar with everything. I think those are all imperative to it and make sure that you have every single support staff number in your cell phone before heading over there because you're going to have to call us and we want to help so make your life easy yeah i've seen firsthand how important that support staff is and really how critical it is into making that fluid transition into the first year just you want to be successful you have an opportunity between the time you graduate high school and getting into that program to do all the things that you just said. And that, that can really be a game changer because you're going to be hit with, you know, all those variables plus inevitably schoolwork that's going to add up plus the actual games that come, you know, within eight weeks of arriving campus, there are very few people who are going to come in early and have that entire uh, first spring semester to be able to get acclimated, but it really does help a ton. Um, I, I do want to bring up one more point that I've seen a lot. Um, I want to make it clear. Once you're enrolled, you sign that letter of intent and you're in classes, the recruiting process is over. Um, and we see this all the time. The whole recruiting process, we're trying to influence you to come to our school. Um, and yeah, we're going to hold your hand and do everything needed to make sure we get that uh, ink to paper. 
once you're there, we're still going to help you and give you all the resources you need. We're just not going to walk you um, through every little task. Like we'll show you where your classes are. We'll walk you the first day, but pay attention. We're not here to recruit you anymore. It's over. Now you have to be accountable. And guess what? First impressions are huge. So make sure you're early to meetings. Make sure you're engaged. Make sure you're not messing up in classes. Make sure you're respectful to everyone. That is imperative. I'm telling you. So many people mess that up. I've heard that. I can't tell me how, tell you how many times I've heard that, whether it be somebody at the uh, Power 5 level or somebody at a smaller school. But, hey, these guys recruited me. They were so nice. And then I got to the first day of camp, and they don't they, – they, you wouldn't have known that they cared about you at all. You know, how is it supposed to be? And I think it's just a weeding out process. Everybody has to get through that first-year transition in order to be successful. And it's not going to be all – you know, sweet and everything like that. At the end of the day, the coaches have a job to do. And if they don't do it well, then they're not going to be able to be at that school for a very long time because you're probably going to get fired. So inevitably, you're going to have to progress. And there's going to have to be some adaptation that takes place, whether that be mental, social, physical. It's, it's got to be a full package. And you really have to get ready for that because they're not going to be half as nice to you as they were during the recruiting process. And it only takes that you know, relationship building over an extended period of time to really gain their trust. 100%. It's really comes down to accountability. We're still going to be there for you. We're just not going to be holding your hand. And quite frankly, we're already focused on the next class once you're there. And we're hoping that that person beats you out because that means that we're getting better year over year. That's the truth. And especially at some of the, some of the schools who are doing well, you're going to continue to try to get great recruiting classes. And if you're not getting doing well, you're going to continue to try to bring in great, great athletes. So it's always competition there. You can, you can never be safe. You always have to continue working hard. It's got to be all gas, no breaks. Really something that people don't consider. You think you're going to go in and just be, be able to coast four years where it's really uh, very rarely the case, unless you're playing way above your level, which is more often than not not how it goes. Yeah, but I mean, even when Brett Hundley was a junior and was breaking all these records at UCLA, we still recruited Josh Rosen, number one QB. And if Brett chose to stay, um, they were going to battle it out. You know, Brett wasn't going to be guaranteed to be the starter. That's not the case in any program. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this gives some really great insight into the realities of the recruiting process. And one one specific area that I'm totally biased to, but I definitely wanted to get your take, and I think it's something that should also be considered, are the, the, the school's ability to allocate resources to the football program. I know early on in 2013 at UCLA, training table, for example, was extremely limited. There weren't very many options. Not everybody was able to go unless they were a scholarship athlete. That's significantly changed over the course of um, 2013 to 2000, 2018 up until right now. But can you talk a little bit about some considerations that you may want to take when it comes to fueling resources, when it comes to budget? Not that you would ask questions about specific amounts, but it may be something that you want to ask the players about because especially at these schools that are on the bubble of being a big time school or kind of a little bit more of a, a smaller time school, there, there are some huge differences. So can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, 
and I got to see the full evolution of UCLA going from like a shared athletic department building to a football only complex. Um, change takes time, especially at state school, but you want to be at a place that's working with you. It doesn't have to be a situation where they have gotten A, B, C, and D done. You want to see that they're progressing and improving their resources year over year. Um, we didn't just start off by building a football complex. Training table was our number one priority. You're going to be eating all your meals there. Um, it's directly correlated to your athletic ability, what you put into your body. So you want to make sure that you have a program that's feeding you, um, that they do have the flexibility to give you cash at certain times. What does that look like in terms of how much money you get when they're not feeding you? Um, how many meals per day are you allocated for? Are there snacks? Are there fueling stations? Are there protein shakes? Um, the one thing I've noticed with every program is that you have a sponsored company and then you have what you really give the guys. So being able to understand what's going into what you're doing and not just saying, oh, we have this contract with this company, because that may not be great for everyone. Um, do you want to jump in on that for a second? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to jump in on that. So, for example, at UCLA, we were, quote, unquote, sponsored by Muscle Milk. They were obviously paying the program a lot of money. But as we evolved the program and, and through Coach Moore, Coach Fish, and Coach Kelly eventually, nutrition was placed as a, as a huge priority. And the, the ingredients, for example, that were put in Muscle Milk didn't necessarily, necessarily reflect the fueling vision that we had for the program and players were not getting muscle milk to the point that I had eventually taken it out of the fridge, left one empty muscle milk up top just to show that it was there. Uh, but that's not what we want to be giving our players. And it's something to consider when you're, when you're talking to these coaches, you know, what's the quality of the food that they're providing? Not everybody's going to have the opportunity to have grass fed um, steak or you know, high quality food at every single meal, but it's something to take into consideration and do the coaches value it. I think it's, it's one area that probably the parents ask the most questions, not the kids so much, but if you're put in a position where you're going to have the opportunity to get great food on a regular basis, great snacks, and you have somebody who's overseeing the program that knows what they're doing, it's a, it's a whole another component that is added to the process of athletic development over time you can do as well as you want in the weight room but if there's no nutrition to back it up then you're going to be in a pretty tough position remember going back to um 2016 these players didn't have any meals on the weekend so one big thing that we had an issue with was like hey you're doing great monday to friday and they're like hey coach i have food monday to friday but on the weekends, they're, they're left to fend for themselves. And when an 18 to 22-year-old is left to fend for themselves, like they're not going to be looking for the most high-quality option or looking to cook themselves. They're looking to go to the easiest fast food place or the easiest option. So one thing that we always tried to do was teach you how to be better when it comes to fueling, regardless of environment, whether the coach is there or not there, which is not always going to be possible. It's definitely a progression. But I think you have to start with those resources. And eventually we got to the point where, hey, you're going to get six or seven take-home meals every weekend. We're going to give it to you. It's going to be high-quality food. And it's up to you to eat it. 100%. One of the things I've always believed, and I still believe, is a meeting room's a meeting room's a meeting room. Some are going to be more comfortable than others. And whether that's a good thing, maybe the comfy chairs make you fall asleep. Maybe the uncomfortable chairs don't let you focus. That's really, it doesn't really matter. The biggest thing that you could do is look at the controllables. You know, in a meeting room, no matter what, you're watching film. Football field, no matter what, you're playing ball. 
most schools have similar layouts. Look at the intangibles out there, the academic services, what do they offer differently? Uh, the meals, the supplements, um, all those things are really gonna be able to impact you more than any sort of fancy dumbbell that they might have that looks shinier, you know, no matter what, that's gonna be 35 pounds. Look at the stuff that's actually controllable. Yeah, that's really uh, something to consider. At, at some point, if you're being highly recruited, all, all the schools are gonna have all the bells and whistles for the most part. Every locker room is gonna look insane. You know, at the same time, if you're an athlete who's deciding between, let's say a D2 or a D1 school, it should work in reverse where you shouldn't always look at those cool things at the higher level school as the deciding factor. Look at the program, look at all the things that we spoke about today and make the best decision that's gonna be a great fit for you that you can see yourself in that, in that school for a four year period. It's a long time and it's a huge decision that's gonna impact you for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. You're gonna see some really cool things that, that are super impressive when you go on these visits. And maybe the first two months you think they're so cool. By your third, fourth, fifth year in a program, you're not even going to care about them. I remember we thought it was so cool that we had those elevator glass doors for the weight room. But I never remember a player complaining that they had to walk from the weight room to the field. Like, that was never an issue. You always hear about food or tutors or stuff like that. Um, those are the things that are going to last with you year over year that you're going to care about. Absolutely. So, hey, I think we covered pretty much soup to nuts everything that you could possibly think of when getting recruited or recruiting yourself to, to, to a particular school. Uh, is there anything else that you can think of that, that we kind of missed that should be taken into consideration for the choosing of a, of a college? Because it's just such a big decision. This is a question that I'm getting asked over and over and over again. Uh, how do you make the best choice? I think the best choice comes from a couple of different things, but really what you have to do is you have to have a systematic approach and understand what you're looking at and really take in on these visits, the facts. Everyone's going to be persuasive. Everyone's going to be charming and hosting you and all that. Try and look at what is going to help you thrive and what you care about and judge schools based off of that. And then listen to your gut on top of that. That's going to be the best indicator. Um, and that's the best way to go about the process in general. Everyone should have an Excel spreadsheet, a checklist of all the emails they've sent to different coaches, calls they made reaching out, um, and having kind of an organized process to go about it and just keep recording their information. Great stuff. You know, that, that after action report or whatever it may be to make sure that the visit is fresh in your head and that you, you record it and can, can refer back to that uh, note when the time comes is going to be critical. But Absolutely. hey, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. This was so helpful, and I think it'll be helpful for a lot of parents and student athletes who are looking to play at the next level and just the realities of what goes on in the recruiting process. And it's an insane process just seeing how hard the player personnel staff worked to get the right people in the door and the right people on the bus and then once they're there, try to get them in the right seat. It's just so, it's a very challenging thing to do. And I remember seeing you guys on signing day and just like, it's kind of like letting out a breath of fresh air and you can just breathe for a half a second before you get started on, on the, the next year's class. So I, I definitely appreciated the work you guys put in uh, when I saw it firsthand, but 
these are just some some great tips that you that everybody should be taking into consideration. Big school or small school, there's still still things to consider that are that are um, major parallels in this department. So, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Had a good time, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can do this again. Sounds good. I will talk to you soon. Alrighty. Take care. All right, coach.